Well, it's a Bible that you will need now, but not right now, because I'd like to do something a little bit different this morning. I'd like to save my text um, until after I've told you a story. My, my hope is that the beauty and the profundity of this statement found in Romans 3 will be heightened for you uh, after you've heard this little story that I, I want to tell you. Um, I want to introduce you to a man that I don't think you've ever heard of. Maybe you have. Um, his name is William Cooper. His name is spelled Cowper, C-O-W-P-E-R, but uh, John Piper pronounces it uh, Cooper, so that's good enough for me. Um, I I read several articles about William Cooper before putting this together, Um, and they all disagreed in in minor detail, but on the timeline of his life. So I'm going to do my best to put this thing to you or give it to you in uh, being historically accurate. Um, Cooper was indeed a a rather small and timid and frail, uh, tender lad. And his mother uh, died at the age of six. He was uh, sent by his father to a boarding school where he was bullied and even beaten on several different occasions. But it was this small boy, uh, this, uh, this mistreated lad that would go on to make history. Uh, but there are many who would suggest that the, uh, the, the, it was the wrong kind of history that he made. Um, on the plus side of the scale, he was considered to be a literary genius. There were numerous names that I found associated with him uh, that, that I, I'd never heard of. For instance, Goldwyn Smith. Never heard of Goldwyn Smith. Well, Goldwyn Smith has a building dedicated to him on the campus of Cornell, so that's certainly more than Jimmy Young has. But um, um, uh, he called Cooper the most important poet between the time of Alexander Pope and William Wordsworth. Now, I didn't know who Alexander Pope was either, but he's the one that gave us that sentence, to err is human, but to forgive is divine. Um, Sir Walter Scott, who wrote the book Ivanhoe, which many of us had to read, um, he said this, Cooper was the forerunner of the great restoration of our literature. So at least in the world of literature, this William Cooper guy that none of us have ever heard of uh, made left quite a mark. On the negative side of uh, the story of William Cooper... William Cooper tried to kill himself seven different times. He spent much of his life, much of his adult life, in um, institutions for the mentally insane. Now, why in the world do I want you to know a man who was such a mental wreck, a a would-be suicide, and a regular patient at an insane asylum. Well, let me give you three reasons why I think this man is worth knowing. First of all, folks, some of us, uh, though perhaps not as severe or as mentally tortured as Cooper, have known of times in our lives 
where we were suffering with depression, even a, a, a crippling kind. Well, if, if, that is, if you're one of them, listen up. Because I think this will at least give you a, some suggestions as to my, how you might deal with your own or those that you love. That's the first reason. Here's the second reason that I want you to know Cooper. Um, during one of his stays at a mental asylum, uh, the physician, the attending physician there at that asylum was a man by the name of Dr. Cotton. And Dr. Cotton concluded that, that Cooper's torment was brought on by his sin. Cooper is quoted as having said, Oh, for some fountain open for sins and uncleanness. So as Dr. Cotton continued to, to apply the, the balm of the gospel to Cooper, on one occasion, Cooper was reading his Bible, and here comes my text. Uh, he was reading his Bible, and he came to this portion of Romans 3. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Ladies and gentlemen, um, there it is. There is the message of Christianity in a couple of verses. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Um, Cooper wrote this having just read that. He said, Immediately I received strength to believe. And the full beams of the Son of Righteousness shone upon me. I saw the sufficiency of the atonement he had made, my pardon in his blood, and the fullness and completeness of his justification. In a moment, I believed and received the gospel. Folks, there are numerous principles there in what Cooper said and, in, of course, the text. But one I want you to see is, let me make clear, by no means am I suggesting that all depression is the result of sin. There are, um, there are chemical imbalances. There are uh, brain injuries. But the principle that I want you to see is that in the midst of this man's dep depression, he found a remedy in the promises and the provisions of God made in the gospel, which brought him out of his depression. I'm saying, folks, whatever the cause may be, if you struggle here, one of the things that you might devote yourself to is learning and applying the promises of God's gospel to your situation. You might just find that they become 
the remedy, as Cooper found. So that's the second reason that I wanted you to know William Cooper. Here's the third. His hymns. Cooper wrote some 15 hymns, six of which found their way into our hymnal. This is called a hymnal, ladies and gentlemen. I know you've never had one in your hands before, but uh, that's what these red things are. They're, they're, they're called a hymnal because they're full of hymns. Well, Cooper wrote 15 of them, six of which are in this book. In fact, I would suggest, I would, I would bet that <clears throat> many of you have quoted Cooper and you never knew it. Have you ever said, God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform? Or maybe the shortened version. Have you ever said, God moves in mysterious ways? Have you ever said that? Well, that came from William Cooper. And it was written on a night where he was going to attempt to kill himself. The story goes like this, that he decided that he was going to kill himself, and so he um, hired a taxi. Now, back in late 18th century London, a taxi was a horse-drawn carriage. And so he got into the taxi, and he told the taxi driver to take him to the River Thames where he was going to jump in and kill himself. Um, on the way to the river, a fog, a dense, thick fog set in, so dense that the taxi driver got lost and ended up coming back to the very apartment where he had picked up Cooper. In the meantime, during that looking for the river route or journey, Cooper had fallen asleep in the back of the taxi. He came to his apartment, he got out, went to his, uh, in, into his flat, his apartment, and no longer wanted to kill himself. And he wrote this, God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. It's six stanzas. I'm not going to read all six, but let me read you two others. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Last one. This is rich. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Behind a frowning providence, that is, a certain set of circumstances that I consider hard, behind that frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. That was written by a man who tried to kill himself seven times. He wrote another hymn that um, we love. We sing it here. But you remember, I told you that while in the asylum with Dr. Cotton, he said, oh, for some fountain upon, uh, excuse me, oh, for some fountain open 
for sin and uncleanness? Well, he wrote another hymn, and I'm going to sing it. The hymn goes like this. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. He had said while in an asylum, oh, that there was a fountain. A fountain that was open to cleanse from sin and uncleanness. He found that fountain. And it was filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners who plunged beneath that flood. lose all their guilty stains. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what we're about to do via this sacrament. We're about to plunge once again into that fountain that's filled with blood. Have you not done yet that yet? Have you not found that the place for your sin and uncleanness is in a fountain that is filled with blood that was drawn from Emmanuel's veins? Have you not found that yet? If not, find it now. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are grateful that you have made provision for people who are as guilty as we are. And guilty we are, O oh God. What we need is not advice how, as to how we might live more morally. What we need is a Savior. And you've made him available to us. And his, the, the centerpiece of his work is on display in this sacrament. His broken body and shed blood, O oh God. Might those two things become real to each of us this day. If you have led people here today who have not yet met this Savior, might they see the Savior of William Cooper, the one whose veins spilled forth blood, collected in a fountain into which we plunge. It is our thrill to do so. Draw nigh to your people as we enjoy this sacrament. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.